Be seated. Again, welcome to Christ the King, especially if you are new or you are a guest or visitor with us today. We're so glad to have you with us. And if you're in town for the holidays, please come around and see us. We're here every Sunday. We have a great Nativity Fest uh, this evening. And we also have a great Lessons and Carols on Christmas Eve uh, that we'll be doing. It's a family-oriented service. So, uh, as Roger mentioned last week, we are at the start of Advent, and this is why we have the color purple here. It it denotes a sense of uh, a somber um, attitude, and we are starting this new sermon series, and it's it's titled after one of the great hymns, um, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, that, that anticipates that Israel all through the Old Testament, is anticipating a Savior, someone that will come, which we know happened on Christmas, and it's a second anticipation where we get to anticipate the Lord returning again in fullness, restoring, making all things that were wrong, making them right. And this Christmas, we are uh, looking at these remarkable stories. Last week, uh, Reverend Roger looked at Abraham and his interaction with God and how uh, in his covenant that we find hope in this covenant, that we don't have to make that same covenant because God keeps both sides of the covenant for us, uh, that we get to rest in Jesus because of that. And so all of these are, uh, they have anticipation in them as we look forward to Jesus. We kind of look back and put ourselves Uh, in the place of uh, Moses and Abraham from their perspective, what they are looking at, the things that we get to see that they did not uh, get to see. So Jesus, uh, or as uh, Roger quoted last week, that St. Augustine, uh, one of our uh, famous church fathers in theology, had a great uh, saying that he said that the Old Testament concealed... And the New Testament, is, or the, the New Testament reveals what the Old Testament concealed. And what he meant by that, and that's you know, the theme or something to keep in mind as we're going through these, that in the Old Testament there are these Easter eggs, if you know what that term is. You know, it's, a, it's a term with movies, that movies might have a, uh, something in them Especially if they are a a movie that has one, two, or three, uh, the first set, you know, like Indiana Jones, that there might be these little things that are connecting you to something that's coming ahead or connecting you to something uh, that has already happened. And so there are these pictures in the Old Testament that we know point to Jesus, but Moses or Abraham or Joshua, they didn't know that they pointed to Jesus. And so we're looking at those this morning that they are begin to be revealed in the New Testament. And so we see that God is sovereign, that he has got control of things. He's not like one of these, you know, when you blow up a balloon and you just let it go and it goes everywhere, that God is uh, not wavering like that. 
that he has got a hold of us more than we have a hold of him. And even in his sovereignty that we can't always see it, that he is working for the good to keep his plan. So keep that in mind. But before we continue any further, let us pray. Oh God, by your grace, grant that your word this morning may be truly preached and truly heard by your spirit. Will you please fashion our lives according to the example of your son and grant that we may show the power of your love to all among whom we live through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now maybe you have done this when you were a child like I did. Uh, Let me preface this with I don't recommend doing this, but we would see who could stare into the sun the longest on a sunny day. I see some head shakes out there. I, I might not have glasses if I didn't do that. And, you know, you just could not do it. I could not do it that long at all. You know, you'd close your eyes and then there'd be all these spots and things like that. Uh, Because it was overwhelming. It was too much. More than I could handle. Well, this morning, Moses is asking for something that is more than he can handle. He's asking for God's glory. Now, you know a lot of the story of Moses... He was born in enemy territory in Egypt. He grew up. He had this uh, beautiful um, interaction with God at the burning bush. God called him to lead the people out of Egypt. Moses said, you got the wrong guy. But he, in faith, followed the Lord, even in the midst of his fear. And God led them through, out of slavery, through the Red Sea, to the other side, because they were going to go to the promised land. They're heading to the promised land. And then Moses, God calls Moses to go up on Mount Sinai. And as he's up there, he gives him the Ten Commandments, these these ways that God's people can live that will benefit them. You know, to help them, they've just been in Egypt. They've just been subject to all of these different gods. They've been subject to Pharaoh. And now God is giving them a way to live according to him. And as he's on the mountain, Israel gets impatient. And what do they do? But they build something that they can just put their hands on. They just want something tangible to give them some relief, a God to worship. They don't know this unknown God. They don't know this God who, although uses the word face and back, God the Father does not have a face. He is of spirit. And so they are impatient and they build this golden calf. And they come down and Moses comes down from the mountain. He's fed up and God is more fed up. And God says, look, these people are are stiff-necked. Their hearts are turned away from me. And they're going to have to deal with that. But Moses, in his just compassion, he intercedes for the people. And he says, God, remember who you are. You made this promise with Abraham that we would be your people. And so God, again, shows mercy and grace. And so Moses is elated. He is elated. 
And so he wants more of this loving, compassionate forgiveness, God. And so he says here in verse 17 and verse 18, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. And it's a legitimate ask, I think. He wants more of God. He wants more of this compassion. He wants more of uh, what he has been experiencing. God has just told him uh, that he's his man, that God has favor, that Moses has favor in God's eyes. And so he is asking for God's glory. But Moses doesn't know that he can't stare into the sun very long, (laughs) that he can't handle that. And so Moses, he asked God for this glory, and God says, look, I'm not, it's not the same as that pillar of fire. It's not the same as the burning bush. It's not the same as the cloud descending when you and I talk. No one can see my glory without dying. No one can see, he says the word face, but no one can see my face because that's really the only way to translate it. No one can see my face unless they die or they will die. And it's because, you know, the face, he uses the word face because that is, you know, when we are in a conversation with someone, uh, we don't talk to them and say, let me see your hands and, and stare at their hands. You know, God is communicating this uh, intimate friendship relationship with Moses. That if you get all of me, then uh, you can't handle it. One, uh, one commentary said that Moses would be safer standing beside an atomic explosion. But God answers Moses, and he says... You know what I will do is I will uh, show you my goodness. I am the Lord. I will show you my goodness. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock. So that when my goodness passes by, you won't be destroyed. And what we learn is that glory is not a bright face. Glory is this uh, characteristic of God, that he is good, that he is merciful, that he is compassionate. And we see that because God tells Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. Moses is not choosing God, but God has chosen Moses. I may have said, Lord, will you, I want to follow you, but he's the one that chose me. You may say, Lord, I want to follow you, but Somehow in the circumstances of your life that God has drawn you in, if you look back at the path that you went on, the circumstances that are not coincidence. And so God is going to hide uh, Moses because if he sees it, he will be destroyed. I mean, do you remember the movie The Raiders of the Lost Ark? They've got this ark and there at the end of the film, the villain... uh, gets a hold of the ark, and they're getting ready to open it, and Indiana Jones says, don't you just don't look at it, because he knows what happens if you look at the face 
uh, of God. If you look at the glory of God, and of course the villains, they all disintegrate because they are looking at the glory of God. Well, God is saying, I want to hide you from this. You know, it can be easy to forget that God is who God is. Uh, we know that he's merciful. We, we sing amazing grace. But it's only grace, it's only mercy because God is the creator. He is the one with full, full glory. We are the ones that submit to him. He does not submit to us. We do not convince him to show mercy, but he shows mercy. God's glory is holy. It is beautiful. It is terrifying at the same time. And now Moses is asking, show me your glory. But next, what God does is he keeps him safe in the midst of this glory, in the midst of the full uh, coming face to face with God. And so what he does is he hides Moses uh, in a cleft of a rock. Remember that happened with David too. He hid in the cleft of a rock so Saul would not kill him. Well, Moses is hiding in the cleft of a rock. And, and, and as God's, God passes by, it says that Moses only got to see his back. And what he's referring to is like a reflection of God like he did uh, with the burning bush, that it did not consume him, it did not kill him. He knew that if he had the full weight, and that's what glory means, I mean the Hebrew word for glory is weight, if he had the full weight, it would crush him. If we have the full weight, it will crush us. The full weight of glory will crush us. And so... After telling Moses this, uh, Moses does not die. He is safe. He is hidden in the rock. And friends, what this does is it points us to Jesus. We could not handle the weight of God's glory. But someone else did handle the weight of God's glory, and that was on the cross. And in fact... First, the weight was removed, and the weight of sin and the weight of death fell on Jesus so that we could get the glory without being crushed. The great exchange. The Apostle Paul stated, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden. With Christ, just like that rock, we are hidden in Christ. He is our safety. The best days, the worst days. And so as we are thinking and going through the Christmas season, as we're meditating on uh, even difficult things, and as it stirs up maybe some darkness or some difficulty, we say, hold on. I'm hidden in the rock. I'm safe. God has got a hold of me. Jesus took that weight that I deserve. He will walk with me, whether it's the death of a loved one, whether it is a child who's gone astray, whether it is grief, 
whether it is difficult relationships, whether it is the job, you don't know where the next paycheck's coming from, we cling to the one that has us hidden and will provide for us. As we trust in him, we stay close to him. When I was ordained, um, Bishop Alan Morris uh, gave the um, charge, you know, when Rob was ordained or, or um, Roger was ordained, you know, the, 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 the preacher is, I mean, everyone's around, but the preacher's really preaching to the candidates that are there. And I remember him kind of walking from around the pulpit, and he said, Stephen, you keep your eyes on the back of Jesus' head. And so what was he telling me? He's saying, you follow him. You stay close to him. That's where you're safe. Because we all build idols, don't we? We all build golden calves. It may not be a golden calf, but it's something that replaces Jesus. The longing's good. We're supposed to have that longing for more, for hope. But we're only supposed to have it satisfied in Jesus, and that is all. Just in Jesus. And the way that that happened, of course, was through forgiveness. We, like the people of Israel, deserving of God's wrath, but for us, Although we did not have Moses that interceded for us, we had something better. We had God himself on our behalf for the guilt, for the punishment. The judgment is taken away so that we could enjoy mercy. The truth of our sin was recognized and accounted for so that we could now know peace, that we could now know grace. It's so easy to um, be distracted this time of year, for me, speak for myself, with a lot of things going on. And maybe that's for you as well. But friends, when, when we start to get in that place, we have got to remember that long ago that uh, even through Moses... God was showing his goodness and his glory that we get to have now. And it doesn't crush us because there was somebody crushed for us. Now in the presence of God, we look to the face of Jesus, that that is the glory. Now the temple is not a building. It is inside of us through the Holy Spirit and does not crush us. And so we rely on the Father, we rely on the Son, we rely on the Holy Spirit, this, the, the Trinity, that we might receive it, that we might know it, and that it might shine out of us, that we might love others like we've been loved, where we're safe, we know that we're safe, so we're quick to listen and slow to speak, we don't have to fix everything, we can listen to the Spirit. We can ask God to show us his glory and we begin to see it. And friends, that's the charge for me and you uh, this season and in Advent as we anticipate and as we remember what Moses anticipated. The one where the glory points and that is to Jesus. He is the glory. And friends, let's keep our eyes on the